The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, all other platforms, you know where to find us. Not yet on TikTok, but we will cross that bridge. Um, maybe never, maybe someday, maybe later. I don't know, maybe. Uh, I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Maybe I'll have to do that someday. Uh, yes, no, at Christopher Fett on Twitter. Yeah, sorry. Well, I, I'm on Goblin Hours right now, so I'm, uh, I'm 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 pulling the double shift as we get in here live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Cannot forget that one. Very important. And joining us, as always, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. Jeremy. Hey, buddy. Uh, ready? I'm, I, we're, we're doing a, a semi-version of ListCast today so it feels like we're we're getting closer like anytime we're in list cast season which we are like across the nfl like they're starting to do all their lists it's if it feels like we're getting closer and so i'm excited it feels close to the end because i am stir crazy without football right now i'm i'm bouncing off the walls and i'm yelling at you because you were tweet storming about tennis this morning because that's where we're at right now. That's, that's where we're at. We, we miss football this badly. Yeah, no list cast this year because uh, we just dropped the ball on it completely. But we're also, doing something. I, I, also, I think people people were annoyed with us doing this cast because no <laughs> Lions were on the list cast. Ever. Right. And that's so. that's the way I want to spin this is like we're doing list cast as it pertains to the Lions. So we're focused on the Lions. Well, Kind this is, this is a list cast of, of hopium. This. this is a hopium. <laughs> there list you cast. go. I this like is that. hoping that line goes up. We'll explain it for a second, but first, let's bring in the third man, the man always with us, Ryan Matthews. Black is the rock guy. At Ryan underscore POD. How are we doing today, Ryan? I'm doing well. I'm caffeinated. I have water. I have all the essential liquids. Well, have you gone to 7 Eleven and got your Slurpee? This is 7 Eleven day. That is an essential liquid. I don't like going outside right now. It's hot. <laughs> I don't like driving because it's too expensive. If there was a 7-Eleven that was like within walking distance, maybe. But you just need an annex to your home, a 7-Eleven annex. Yeah, sure. That is that is the advantage of that's the dream. Got to like our colleges, you know, <laughs> cities within buildings, you know, yeah. never leave your never leave your mega block. Just like Judge Dredd. <laughs> 
There we go. We could we could all just hope to be Judge Dredd one day. I am the law. Well, I mean, if I was Judge Dredd, I would be Carl Urban, and that would be a much but much better improved position over my current existence. If I was Carl Urban, I promise we're going to talk about football. <laughs> we're going to talk about it right now. So as Jeremy put it out, that we are like this is the hopium list cast. We're not doing a full list cast. But we're going to be looking at the future of the Detroit Lions and can they make a list cast in the next season once it comes back from hiatus? Because uh, we started putting together list cast and we realized there's nobody on this list that probably cracks the top 10 of any place, except for maybe one. But I will disagree with Jeremy on that. I would argue three lines deserve to be on a top 10 list, but one of those positions doesn't matter. So two. Once again, Jeremy's hatred of punters <laughs> continues Whoa, to, remain, to remain. Just uh, you're you're giving it away too hard. <laughs> I'm I'm saying the quiet part loud right now. I'm just doing that. But uh, yeah, we've got some lions of coming out. But yeah, no lions on defense in the ESPN NFL's insider survey. Uh, Frank Ragnow, center for the Lions, also snubbed. Even though Ragnow is probably one of the better centers out there. Um, no mentions on Doug Farrar's list here. So we're gonna go through the positions. And uh, try to try to suss out what we need to do, or probably I think I think the idea is how long would it take certain players to reach top ten? Can they reach top ten? Will they ever be top ten, or are they top ten right now? So it's kind of an omnibus. Nailed it. Right into it. All right, all right. Uh, let's start a quarterback. Uh, I feel like we can pass on this one right now. Next one. No, <laughs> no, no. You want to talk about it? Okay. Well, let's talk yes, a little let's, bit. Let's about talk Jared about Goff. it. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Like Jared Goff. His career is his career at this point. I think we've talked about Jared Goff nearly every week on this podcast. I mean, quarterback is the most important position in football, and he's had the Jekyll and Hyde career. And I guess the question, and this is ultimately the question the Lions are trying to answer as they look towards the future of Jared Goff is, is there any chance Jared Goff ever makes his way back into the top 10 of quarterbacks, Jeremy? This is an interesting one because, I mean, I I think – you know, gut reaction, the answer to me is no. Um, and and part of the reason for that is I'm not sure he was ever a top 10 quarterback because when I originally put that in, in the outline, I'm like, oh, will he ever be a top 10 quarterback? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sure I'll go back and look at the top 10 quarterback list after his good, you know, 2017 season, after his good 2018 season and, and see him in the top 10. He wasn't. Teams were, were, were analysts were skeptical of him. I think after 2017, it was like, okay, that was a great season, but he was really bad his rookie year. This is only one good season. Let's see how he does in 2018. He plays really well in 2018, but before people make their list for 2019, what happens? That Super Bowl, right? And that Super Bowl kind of sticks in everyone's craw and it's like, I don't know if he's really a top 10 guy, even though he had a really good Pro Bowl season. So back-to-back Pro Bowl seasons still wasn't enough to get this guy as a top 10 quarterback in a lot of people's minds. So in order to get there, he would have to kind of surpass what he did in Los Angeles. And listen, he's 27. There, there's time for him to grow. Matthew Stafford grew after he was 27 years old. And he certainly is in a position where he can put up some good stats this year. But do I think he has a ceiling as a top 10 quarterback? I don't think I did. And I would say right now, he's probably further away from being in that discussion than he's ever been. Um, yeah. 
maybe you, you know maybe you say going into last season but um i think that you know with most list casts we talk about like everything in a vacuum and like, like how would jared goff do um you know independent of his you know weapons that he has surrounding him and last season was clearly like oh man like weapons matter big time and i i think jared goff right now like there's unquestionably like we can throw out some other names. Right. And and I, I think that there's like unquestionably like nine guys that are in the top 10 and then like number 10 gets kind of murky. Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's Pat Mahomes, there's Josh Allen, there's Aaron Rodgers, there's Joe Burrow, there's Justin Herbert, there's Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott. And then it just gets kind of weird. It's like, is Derek Carr that guy? Is he going to be that guy this year? Is it, is it Russell Wilson? Is he going to have a bounce back season? Is it Kirk Cousins in a new offense? Like there's all those guys that are vying for like that last spot. And Jared Goff is not in that territory at all. And I mean, there, there's other guys too, like, and I, you know, you, you, this will be a perfect segue into Chris because, you know, is, is, is Mac Jones like somebody that you trust more than Jared Goff right now is, is Ryan Tannehill uh but trevor lawrence yeah trevor lawrence there's kyler murray there's um matt ryan maybe matt ryan has a bounce back here in indianapolis but again like there there are a lot of names until you get to golf so i think golf is like comfortably in that like 18 to 20 range um as far as quarterbacks go which puts him just below league average which i think is a fair assessment of where he is right now yeah, I like to view quarterbacks. I try not to do top 10 on quarterbacks just because, I mean, we, we have to, but I try not to do on that just on quarterbacks just because I feel like that kind of flattens. I, I've, all, I've really enjoyed lately doing the tier lists just because I feel like those are better cutoffs sure. for when we, especially for quarterback. For other guys, I don't mind it, but like, especially on quarterback, there's like unique differences when you get to certain thresholds among the quarterbacks in the NFL. Like you go from, I hate saying the word elite, but you go from the elite guys who can do everything and make the teams around them. And those guys are very few and far between, and maybe not even Josh Allen even fits up there. He probably fits at like the fringe of that to the second tier, which is like the super grades. But I don't know. I had this conversation on the weekend about exactly some of those guys you were talking about, Ryan, who have been on that border with guys like, Prescott or, you know, where does Derek Carr sit and golf kind of sits. I always feel like a tier below it, but then once you start tallying up all those quarterbacks, no matter which way you go, there's at least like 12 to 15 guys in front of him, no matter where he is. And like, even if we get him to the next tier up, it's still murky territory. And I would wonder then about how much of that is on the Lions roster itself because then you get into the question of, okay, like it's good to have a quarterback who can run your offense, but that's not a quarterback in my mind that says that he is fantastic at his talents of being a quarterback. And because he's been so hot pulled in his career, it's just really hard to say that, you know, where he's going to be and how long, even if he made it his way to like, number 10 next year, how long that would even last. And that's always been the problem of the lions as they court this idea of whether or not Jared Goff is their quarterback for the future, that the drop-off could come at any point. And, and I think, I don't think there's, I mean, Jared Goff would have to have an MVP like season, I think to even make the top 10 next oh, he'd year. He'd have to probe a pro bowl at least. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and that, that's the thing, like in order to be considered a top 10 quarterback in this league, consistency is so important and Jared Goff just hasn't had it through five, six years or whatever it's been. So 
I think in order to, to climb his way into top 10 quarterback conversation, he has to have at least two or three seasons, probably three seasons of well above average play. And I'm not saying that's impossible, but considering there's, like you said, there's already probably 15 guys ahead of him. And there's probably some young guys that are eventually going to jump in because they're going to start their careers better than he did. I think he's just got a very, very long climb to be in the top 10 conversation. That's a very good point, especially the influx of guys like and Trevor and like some of those guys who came in who are just kind of poo-pooing out right now, like Trevor Lawrence, I feel is going to be better. Like those those guys are going to either rise up, sink out. But then every year we're bringing in like three, five new quarterbacks into the NFL. And at any point, one of them can take off. Um, Moving on to running back, Ryan, I want to pick this one to you first. Um, DeAndre Swift is probably the closest to it. And I know in fantasy right now, and I've been quibbling with, with Jeremy about this a little bit, that DeAndre Swift is already considered top 10 going into the season for fantasy points. Um, however, I do see on fantasy pros that technically counts him among like tier three. And as we know, in fantasy, once you get down out of like the second tier, that kind of drops off a bit, but where do you really see DeAndre Swift? Like, do you see him being top 10 this year or can he, like, can we even get him towards top 10? This is the most volatile position on list cast, right? Like yes. when it comes to running backs, it's, it's, it's almost the opposite of what Jeremy just said with quarterbacks where it's like consistency matters. Like you have to do something for two, three seasons really, and, and stack those seasons and have those prolific seasons, you know, get you onto this list. DeAndre Swift, I, I think is weirdly enough. Like I went through like each of these positions and I was just kind of tearing out guys and, and making my own list. Um, to scratch that list cast urge that I had. And DeAndre Swift is like right below league average. Um, I have him like right in that like same kind of range as Jared Goff, like 18 to 22. And it's weird though with running backs, right? Because there are guys that are clearly the lead back in places like Cleveland, right? Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the NFL, but he also has Kareem Hunt in town. And it's like, well, how, how valuable is Kareem Hunt? Because he's, you know, he clearly plays second fiddle, but like, is he a better running back than DeAndre Swift? Like, I, the, the, it, it's just it's it, it's weird. I mean, right in the division, you can look at the division. There's Aaron Jones. There's AJ, AJ Dillon. Dillon. Yeah, yeah. Like, AJ Dillon by a lot of metrics is viewed as one of the best running backs in the NFL. It just doesn't get the volume. Same thing with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard is like a much better running back right now by all you know advanced statistics but he just doesn't get the volume. I think why DeAndre Swift you find in a lot of top 10 lists for fantasy is that reason, volume. He gets lots of catches. He gets lots of yards. And maybe that ends up happening this year, but I'm still not putting him above Jonathan Taylor or Nick Chubb or Joe Mixon or Derrick Henry if he comes back healthy, like the, uh, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. I mean, there's so many names that like I'm just going to put ahead of DeAndre Swift. And I, I find it, I find it would be really hard for him to crack the top 10. I I don't think it would be that hard for him to crack it next year. This year, of course, like I think I'm right with you. Like I think that 18 to 20 range is, is perfect for him. But condition, I mean, to, to, to quote Floyd of the Concords and you, the conditions are perfect. Like it, it's a lot like Jared Goff where he's out of excuses this year. He's got a really good offensive line. They've got a lot of weapons in the passing game where, where they can mix in a bunch of different looks. And, and get him in space. And 
he's just, he's been all potential. Right. And, and for some reason there's this national conversation about him, whether it's fantasy or otherwise, that, that he is a guy that just is untapped potential right now. And I think you can understand that. I mean, as a career, he's ran for four, three, a carry, which is good. I, I and he's been a, a pretty decent receiving weapon. He just hasn't hit that like extra level that, that people thought maybe he was going to be when he was drafted. And listen, I mean, I don't think 1500 yards is out of the question for this guy, all purpose yards. And if he hits that and gets in the end zone, a hand zone, a, 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 you know, a handful of times, like you said it, it doesn't take consistency to make these lists. It takes one breakout year. And I feel like this could be a breakout year. The, the other thing that, that is working in his favor this year, maybe more so than previous years is we expect this team to be a lot more competitive, right? So he's actually going to get the ball in the second half in some of these games and get more opportunities because I do think he's kind of been hurt by lack of opportunities. Not, not that he's getting no touches, but in terms of running the ball, he's got a lot fewer rushes than some of these guys on these top 10 lists. His average has been good in games where he is utilized, but again, it's, it's the eternal question of how much is he going to get used? And I just don't see the lions completely uh, jumping up there, but it'll be, I think it'll be fascinating to see because this is a team that also very deeply invested in its, in its receiving threats that, and now like he's going to have to stand out for a team that probably wants to try to, I don't know if they want to pass the ball more. They definitely want to be more, more equal in how they use the game and how they use their attack. But it's, it's hard to look at Swift and say like, Oh yeah, he's the beneficiary of a massive investment in the wide receiver receiver position. So, and, and also to like every other, this is rough too, because every, every, place that does not have a bellwether back which there's very few few of those left like you can look to taylor henry mccaffrey if he's healthy maybe but most of these places are now by committee and for the lions that's still true they're like swift still is going to have to you have a, ch- a change of down back and that's going to take away from any kind of evaluation of him. And I feel like guys up ahead of him that, you know, the guys we've talked about who are probably in the top 10 right now, they don't need that change of down pace back. They don't need the change of down back and they don't need to be, you know, coming out from the goal line stand. So Jamal Williams can shove the ball in for a touchdown. Like it just, he's not, he's not general purpose. And I think that ultimately hurts any argument for him in the top 10, but he's probably closer than I anticipate. And um, the, the yeah. one last thing I want to say that's kind of a double-edged sword with with what you know Jeremy's kind of outlining is you know you can have one really good year and all of a sudden you're at the tail end of that list because like you said Chris there are so few you know um, bell cow backs in the league bell cow that, that's what I was yeah that, that those guys stay like you know pretty consistently in the top five um, for however long their body can take it but. I think the double-edged sword is, well, you have like all these young guys, like the influx of young guys, like Javonta Williams from Denver Broncos. Um, Najee Harris is a young running back who is really expected to take off. And, you know, even Kenneth Walker in Seattle. I mean, is there a place that, you know, you're going to get more touches out of the backfield than, than, than Kenneth Walker. So, I mean, like there are those young guys that can, that can, you know, supersede Swift and and it, yeah. And it comes back to your point of like, it's all this untapped potential. And it's like, we keep waiting for this to happen. Stay healthy. Like, there isn't, there isn't a lot of yeah. time. At, at some, at some happen. point, at some point NFL, not for long hits you very quickly, especially at this position. I mean, great point, Ryan, that like, it's just like what we said with quarterback, like there's young guys coming in all the time and you're replaceable. Absolutely. Wide receivers. Uh, let's do tight end real quick, just because I think we can get it done real quick before we have to go to break. 
Um, Hawkinson, is he still in the, I don't think he's still in the top 10. I mean, again, I think that's, I, I think that's more about other guys that have come up. And I know he was kind of, if you're looking at just straightly his receiving stats last year, he was kind of around 10, 11, 12 for each of those individual. He was ninth in reception, tied ninth in receptions, 13th in targets, 12th in receiving touchdowns, you know, overall PFF grade was about 68.1. So I, I don't know. This is another, this is the big quote unquote contract year for TJ Hawkinson. I feel like replacing tight ends is a little harder than say the influx on talent on running backs, but it's still a, a position that once again, kind of the same story for TJ Hawkinson, like it is with Swift that there's going to be more talent coming in. So Jeremy, where do you, where do you stand on TJ? I think he's still top 10. Um, just, just, I mean, by nature of his receiving, I think he's there. He, he probably would be higher on all those stats. You just uh, rattled off if he didn't miss the past four or five games or whatever it was with his injury. Um, yeah, no, I, I think, I think he's, I, we've had a lot of TJ Hawkinson conversations this off season. And I think a lot of that is because he's entering. Um, well, first they had to make the decision on the fifth year option. Now, maybe they're going to extend it. Maybe they'll save that decision until next year. Um, but I, th- I feel like people still sleep on his receiving potential and, and whether it's the, he falls down too early or, um, or wh- whatever it was, the fact that he, he didn't maybe have that breakout season that everyone was hoping for last year when the Lions had no other receiving options on the team. And always the fly in the ointment is Jared Goff throwing to him too. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. Um, a lot of, a lot of things weren't exactly working in his favor last year. And then of course, when the offense finally gets going at the end of the year, he's sidelined with an injury. So. I, I think he's still in that top 10 conversation, although I, I do think he's firmly out of the top five. So um, if he, you know, if he can kind of rebound this year in terms of receiver and then rebound in a big way as a blocker, because remember when, when TJ Hawkinson was drafted and maybe that's where some of the negativity is coming in, he was billed as this Iowa guy who was doing both things at Iowa was a great blocker and a receiver who's going to be able to do both right away. And it didn't really come to pass. So if he can improve as a, as a, pass blockers, run blocker, even more so. And and Dan Campbell basically called him out and saying, Hey, we know he can be better. He knows he can be better there. Um, so I, I think the, you know, the plan has been laid out for him. If he can even reach some of the potential that the lines are expecting out of him, I think, I think maybe he'll be knocking on the door of the top five conversation, but me, I, I, th- I think he's comfortably still in the top 10. He's just inside the top 10. Like he's right there. I think he's on the fringe of this season is, is a really big season for TJ Hawkinson. As you mentioned, Chris, like the contract year and you know, there there's so much that he has to prove, I think in order to make signing him viable and worthwhile. Um, and, and the only reason I say that is because yes, you know, we, we want to tout and say like Hawkinson has been a pretty good receiver, I mean, there's just so many guys that can come right out of the box and be great receivers. You know, I, I know Kyle Pitts was a really high draft pick, but like Kyle Pitts, I have ahead of TJ Hawkinson. Um, you know, I, even somebody like Dalton Schultz from from Dallas, like I'm I'm putting him ahead of TJ Hawkinson right now because of the consistency and because of his, you know, because of his ability to you know, be just as versatile as Hawkinson. Cause you look at a lot of the ways that Hawkinson lines up. I mean, he plays in the slot an awful lot. And this comes back to Jeremy's point of, you know, when, when Hawkinson showed up, it was, Oh, this guy's going to line up a bunch in line because he brings the blocking versatility. I mean, of any of the guys that are comfortably in the top 10, and I know that Hawkinson was, <clears throat> you know, injured, but his inline percentage rate 
was lower than guys like Darren Waller, uh, mm-hmm. much lower than, you know, even a guy like, uh, you know, Pat Fryermuth, uh, you know, George Kittle's lining up in line more often than he is. Um, Dallas Goddard, somebody else who I think is a really good uh, tight end in this league. So I just need to see him really put it all together because the the blocking hasn't been as advertised and there's better receivers out there as, as tight ends. Yeah, it's 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 rough sledding in the tight end world. I think there's some I, I don't see as many young guys coming up like Noah Fant did you kind of get shipped off to the Siberia for tight ends up in uh, up in Seattle. But, you know, this is this is a position that's under flux and there's been some great guys who've come out lately. So we'll see. I mean, uh, for for what it's worth, I know we just talked about fantasy pros for rankings for fan, for fantasy stats on what these guys are going to be. And they have Atkinson at eight, although obviously that's not for any kind of blocking in there, but you know, we we can talk about the, I mean, Ryan just brought up the inline numbers. So, but I just take, yeah, go on. The the only point I'll I'll make there is tight end is is a position that usually takes a while to develop. And I'm not, I'm not using that as an argument as TJ Hawkinson can still get better. Although I do think that's true. I'm just using that as I don't think there are going to be a lot of young people that jump in because it takes until year two, year three for these young guys to really come into their own. No, I agree. Kyle Pitts is coming into year two, though. So he's a wide receiver. Doesn't this is this is the Jimmy Graham thing all over again? <laughs> Let's not play that game. Speaking of wide receivers, that's what's coming up right next after the break. We'll talk about wide receivers and start start to slam through a lot of the other positions because uh, I just checked and we've only done three positions right now. So the pseudo list cast, the list cast of Hopium, continues on right next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, in between every segment, we have a lot of fun chatter with our chat, which sometimes gets turned into a podcast, not all the time because I'm worked to the bone from another job, but uh, I don't know. Um, this is going to be very, this is going to be very hard to get back on the mood because right before we came back, Ryan Matthews dropped uh, the conversation back about Zach Wilson. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm going to keep that in our head as we attempt to return to talking about the Lions roster and how close each position group is to considering talking about them top 10. We did leave off at wide receiver. So this is going to be a very interesting place to even go. Cause now we're into a position with multiple candidates up here. Um, I see Jeremy has thrown me the red meat of talking about Amon Ross St. Brown as the first one on here, which is fascinating because like, I don't this because there's so many more wide receivers. It's hard for me to even see him close to it, but if we're talking in slot, like I, I know he's not hitting that Hunter Renfro model, but Hunter Renfro like blew up last year and got extremely well paid. So there is room for someone like an Amon Ross St. Brown 
in these kind of considerations. But I think just because he is that slot archetype that he's just not going to, he's just going to inevitably in any kind of top 10 list lose out to the, uh, to the Jamar Chase, et cetera, right. et cetera, et cetera of the world. I feel, I feel like we have this conversation every time we do our own list cast and it's those, those like X receivers, the, the tall, you know, contested catch guys who can, who can run a ton. Those are the guys who tend to dominate the conversation when you're talking about the top 10 wide receivers uh, in, in the NFL. And so you're right. Like it, it takes a very, very special talent like Cooper cup to, to really crack that code. Ke- Keenan Allen is another one. The question is like how how close to Amon Ross ceiling have we already seen? Because I think he he blew expectations out of the water in his rookie year, and the dude has an incredible work ethic. So you, you kind of think like, well, if he gets coached well, you feel kind of like the sky's the limit. But at the same time, there are physical limitations to his game because he's not the fastest guy, because he's not the tallest guy, because he's not the greatest contested catch guy. So I don't I don't know if his ceiling is necessarily ever going to be a top 10 wide receiver, but he does some things that are really, really good. And he's just, he, 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 he kind of just feels like that, that master of none, you know, um, how does the whole quote go? Why, why am I forgetting how to go? Jack of all trades, master, Jack of all, master of none. And I don't mean that like, that's not an insult. That's, that's a compliment. Um, I just don't know if he'll ever be considered elite elite just because of his physical limitations. Yeah, there's definitely an importance, like you said, Jeremy, and, and there's a uh, th- there's a value that's put on being an outside receiver just because of you know their abilities and what they can bring to the table. Um, but I, I I think you look around the rest of the league and there's clearly like a like a a nice hierarchy of receivers that that belong there, right? Like Devontae Adams and um, you know Justin Jefferson. I think you you just I mean anywhere you look like Jamar chase, but like these happen in a hurry now. Like I remember for so long, the talk was, Hey, you never want to judge a a rookie wide receiver because it takes at least a year for them to get acclimated. And now that's just not the case. It's like our chase blew up immediately. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even before him, it it, Justin Jefferson and CD lamb. And you know, there's all these guys now that in year one, they can be a huge difference maker. And I think that's all, I think that goes to speak about just like the value of the wide receiver position as a whole um, and why teams like Detroit are willing to, to move up and take a guy like JMO. And I think that that's where we should probably take our conversation. Like, do you think JMO could ever be a top 10 guy? I think he could. I, I, I mean, like, it's hard because we don't have a ton to go off of him, but like everything he showed you at Alabama, there's no reason to doubt it other than just he needs a good quarterback who can like unlock his ability to go deep at the end of the day. This, this, I, is, I, this is a game about the deep ball. And yep. he, and where I don't think Amon Ra necessarily has an elite trait, J-Mo certainly does. And it's his deep, it's deep routes and, and his speed and, and really his his mentality right that's something that the coaching staff keeps talking about and so he's a guy that's going to continue to be hungry and continue to get better and continue to work hard and so even though we only have one year of college contributions for Jameson Williams I I think we could we could really be in for some I mean our our conversation on first bite like he kept saying like this is a guy who's really tenacious and just getting started in his NFL career and so man I yes to me Jameson, I, I think I don't think it's a controversial thing to say at all that Jameson Williams' ceiling is much higher than Amon Ross. Much higher. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and you can say that and have it also not be a knock on, um, on right. St. Brown. Of course. Right. It's just, it's, it's about archetypes for wide receiver at the end of the day. Just be trying to be realistic about it. Um, if I want to move on to offensive line here, um, I know you have DJ shark on here. I don't think there's too much to really say there. No, I mean, he had, he has one really good season. And, and even after that, he was, he was just barely in the top 25. So it would, it, you know, having two really good seasons in a row would, would help, but, or uh, not in a row, but, yeah, it, um, but I, I don't, I don't think top 10 is we got really, guys coming up. Yeah. 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 Um, so this is fascinating talking about the offensive line. Cause I know we, um, I was looking at pro football focus and obviously they don't split between uh, right and left tackles and they're just doing, but they're doing tackle rankings. But I think like Sewell was all the way down at 19 and Decker was down at 22. But then I started looking at some of the names in front of them and like, I mean, the Eagles have a very good duo there, you know, Trent Williams, Bakhtiari, like it's, it is a very crowded class. And I guess I'm looking Jeremy, like, I I'm trying not to be about going to Ryan. I'm sorry. Uh, Jeremy's dealing with something right now. It's been the running joke in the podcast. Um, Ryan it's, I, I look at this and I see just a very crowded list of guys who are all incredibly good and it's hard to differentiate between them. And it's all going to be ultimately about where you are as a team uh, at the end of the day. And I think that probably helps the rankings, but I, I, I don't know. Am, am I like looking too much at the forest and not the tree itself? Or, or are we as Lions fans looking at the tree and not the forest when it comes to Decker and Sewell right now when thinking about them as top 10 tackles? I think that they belong in the discussion. Um, I think that Panay Sewell's play last season uh, definitely put him in the discussion to, to be a top 10 tackle um, at his position at right tackle. I went through and I, and I divided them up the left tackles and the right tackles. I don't have Taylor Decker in the top 10. Uh, I have him just outside, but part of that is because there are some really good left tackles that didn't play last season or, you know, played sparingly. And I fully expect them to have like back bounce back seasons. Like you mentioned, David Bakhtiari, uh, Ronnie Stanley for the Baltimore Ravens is just like, I mean, might be the best left tackle in the league, uh, if not for Trent Williams. You know, he didn't play at all last year. Uh, Laramie Tunsil is a, is another one of those guys. Not and, to, not to throw some blood in the water for some people wanting to really relitigating a draft, but Rashawn Slater is on P- PFF's list at like number nine as well. Rashawn, Rashawn Slater is one hundred percent a top ten left tackle, and I have him ahead of Taylor Decker. Um, he's, I mean, he's he's really good, but like I, the the line that you get to, I, I think that. Taylor Decker belongs like in the same vein as guys like uh, Deion Dawkins from Buffalo and Orlando Brown and uh, Donovan Smith from Tampa Bay. Like these are really good, really good tackles. It's just, I don't think that they're necessary necessarily in that like top tier uh, or even in maybe like tier two of those tackles. Like they're right there on the fringe of, yeah, they're really good. And you, you, you wouldn't want to have to try to replace one of these guys. Yeah, That's where I have Decker. So. Yeah, I think we had talked. I, I don't know if we had talked about it on here or if it was a radio show I'd done, but like we were talking about like pairs and like the two as a pair is fantastic. It's still not as good as like the Eagles pair, but it's, you know, something to, something to think about. It's, it's just hard because it's like it's trying to find individual talent out of a unit, uh, out of something that is ultimately unit based. I think we have Jeremy back. So I'm, 
curious his thoughts on the Sewell and Decker conversation. Well, let, let me start on because I think I think Sewell I think Sewell at least has room to grow up. Here yes, to, to I, I don't I, I don't think Sewell is there yet. I think he will be. I, I don't think he could be. I think he will be. Decker I think is continually underrated by this fan base. Continually underrated by NFL people. It doesn't in make him top ten though. He has been a top ten pass blocking tight end past each of the past two years. By, by PFF grade, by eyeballs, by all that. And, and yeah. he's a pretty damn good run blo- blocker, too. He is. But not good enough to be a top 10 guy who does who does it both. I, I think that, he, that, I think that's, that's the thing that keeps him from being in there is because I, I, it, it's just not – it's not – like he's not like a road grader. Like I want Taylor Decker blocking as a, as a pass blocker. I, I'm not – let, let's see this year. Okay. I, I want, I want us to track this year. How yeah. many times they run to Panay's Sewell side versus how much, how, how well, much they run to Taylor Decker's side. But that's, but Panay Sewell's struggle as a, as a pass blocker, it, it, you're, it's two different skills, right? There's a reason why Taylor Decker is on the left tackle and Panay Sewell's on the right is because Taylor Decker is a much better pass blocker. Panay Sewell's a better run blocker. Yep. But also Panay Sewell played left tackle. At, at he Oregon, did. like he and yeah. and he has a lot of room, as Chris said, to grow, but like he's already one of the best run blocking tackles in the NFL, and that's why I think he's already in the top ten at right tackle. Yeah, I, I mostly just brought up the Slater thing because I know people keep really getting the Sewell Slater thing, but again, like Slater, we know who he is. Like Sewell, I think was always a draft pick on upside, so. Some guys grow up to that. And Sewell, we've talked about how young he is, too, at the end of the day. Like, he's going to keep getting bigger, too. Um, Ragnow. No doubt in my mind, like, top 10 center right now. I know he was snubbed, and uh, to be honest, I don't have a list of centers up in front of me, but... Yeah, he's... I don't... I mean, he's he's top three, and he's not three. So, like, I, I think... I mean, he belongs like in that discussion of, is he the best center in the league? And, you know, he didn't play last season a whole lot, right. With, with the toe injury that, you know, resulted in him ending in season ending IR, but like. For the record, for the record on PFFs thing, Frank Ragnow is third. I think we're just looking at like. He was was snubbed on ESPN's top interior offensive lineman. So guards were included. Oh, so that's not fair. So he, there was, there was three centers. That, that made the list. So he, he was at least fourth, according to NFL insiders. That is slander against centers. That is center is so important. Yeah. I, I would say that center is a more important position than guard. Um, generally speaking, especially if you have a incredible center, like Frank Ragnow, who, like I said, I mean, top three, like he he's, he's the player that I'm most confident. And Eric keeps mentioning this on the Q and A's. Like he thinks Frank Ragnow is the best player on the lions. Like he's undoubtedly the, you know, like a surefire lock for like being in this discussion for the rest of his career. Ragnow. Without a doubt, Frank Ragnow is the best player on the lines at his position. If the, with the asterisks that the position matters. Oh God. I think. Oh, 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 I see what he's doing. Well, we'll get to that in a second. So. Uh, let's move outside offensive line. Um, not much on defensive tackles. Talk about nothing on linebackers. Skip that. Skip that. Uh, how long until Aiden Hutchinson is in any kind of conversation as far as edge? What do you think, Ryan? How long? Like, how long do you think that's going to take? And do you think there's going to be 
any concerns whether or not like if he can do pass blocking very good or if it's he's more of a run blocking guy like do you think what style he plays you think like any kind of top 10 consideration is going to come down to sacks than QB hits that he racks up or what I I think the for for better or for worse right the sack numbers are going to be something that's very much part of the discussion with fans and with the NFL at large, because that's just the way it is. And the fact that he was taken number two, which is, I mean, at that point you're looking for a guy who's a playmaker. Right. Yeah. It's I, here's the, here's going to be the tough thing though, is that as long as guys stay healthy, edge rushers can stick around for a long time. And we've just had a huge swath of really good players show up recently, like miles Garrett and Max Crosby and Rashawn Gary and Nick Bosa and TJ Watt. Like a lot of these guys are young and they're good. And the only thing that's going to prevent them from being good is not being on the field. So if they can manage to stay healthy, I mean, you're already talking about like five spots that are going to be occupied for the next four, five, six years. So Hutchinson's got to find a way to sneak in there. And I don't know if, I don't know what kind of season he can have in his rookie season that would have me thinking, Oh, he's top 10. Like, I, I don't know if there's a, a world in which that really exists. Um, in he would have season. to, he would have to be demolishing quarterbacks. He'd have to be like shoving guys off the line and just, uh, just smacking Jalen. He would have to like slam Jalen hurts in the ground like three times. And that's your point though, Chris, right. Is like back to the question of like, how much does it matter if he's a really good run defender? It's like, yeah, that's great. But like, you got picked second overall to go get after the quarterback. And I think we can acknowledge that like pressures are the superior stat, how often you're, you're hurrying the quarterback or hitting them, but uh, it, it always comes back to sack numbers. Always. Yeah, and I, I know the lions have built for run defense. Cause as we've talked about before, like as much as I like pass rush and I really like pass rush, like it seems like the NFC North has kind of built itself very quietly in the arms race of, well, a lot of these offenses are balanced or lean slightly towards rushing. So we should, all teams should build run defense very well to stop the run. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I see Aiden Hutchinson as a pass rusher and I want him as a pass rusher. And if he's going to be that pass rusher, it's going to have to be the numbers. And that's ultimately what it's going to have to be to play this game. But as you say, it is a stacked room right now. Yeah. to get him any kind of attention at the end of the day. So he's not only have to be like really good highlight real stuff. He, and I, I think also part of it too, is he's got to play the JJ Watt role. He's just got to be the vocal leader too. Yeah. And, and I, and I want Jeremy, if he can to, to jump in here in a second, but like the, the, the point I want to illustrate is you can have some, you have some really good run defenders that, that, that play the edge, like Sam Hubbard for Cincinnati um, led the league in stops last year, Alex Highsmith for Pittsburgh, um, just one, one defensive stop less than, than Sam Hubbard. Like those guys aren't ever sniffing a top 10 when it comes to edge rushing. Trey flowers, right? Like that was, that was Trey flowers thing. He got, yeah. he got, he got edge rusher money, but I don't think he's ever really been considered a top 10 guy. Charles, and, Charles, Charles Harris was ninth in the league in defensive stops yeah. last year on the run. Like, yeah. yeah, no, he he's, he's going to have to be a perennial 10 sack guy at least. And, and probably pushing 15 or, or even more than that. You, um, you, have, you have to be a perennial pro bowler, right? Like, yeah. And you're right. It, it's a stacked position. It's a really tough position, but is Aiden Hutchinson ceiling one of the both? I mean, we just talked to Nick Baumgartner. He said, yeah, like 
his ceiling is certainly one of the Bosa guys. And, and so he's capable of it. I just think because it's such a stacked room, because um, I think maybe the Lions defense in general is going to struggle. Um, it's going to take a while for him to get there. So it's not going to be year one, probably not going to be year two, year three and four. Maybe we can start having conversations about him being in the top 10, but it's going to take some time. Even though, yeah. even though edge rushers are, are one of those positions that can make an, an immediate impact for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, is there any other position we want to talk about here? Um, I don't, I know you've got cornerback and safety in here. Do you want to do a quick conversation on just the, the DBs in general? Like, well, my, my question with Jeff, because we can all agree. Jeff Okuda is not a top 10 quarterback. No one, no one can, can say that. My question with Jeff Okuda is, is that his ceiling? Because obviously when you draft a guy third or overall, you're saying like, this guy can be a lockdown guy. He can be a top 10 cornerback. We're now in year three. He's coming off a major injury. Is that still the ceiling of Jeff Okuda or do we have to lower our, our, our expectations? I think we have to lower it because at the end of the day, like it three years in, it doesn't matter where you were drafted. Like it, it really doesn't. And I know everyone can keep sitting there and belly aching and moaning about lost capital, but the reality has basically sat in that Jeff Okuda has now has to realign himself after two different defensive schemes and after a career changing injury for himself. So like, I mean, maybe, maybe he can be up there, but like right now I have no information to go off of. Right. Like at, at the end of the day, I have no information to go off of. And I just like to temper it rather than just keep pointing and pointing and pointing to like, Oh, he was taken third overall. Okay, great. By a general manager who's not here anymore. Like, what are we doing and why are you keeping it at his feet? Like, I don't know. I, I get charged up about this just because like, it's it's such a ghost to chase for him that like I don't know I just I, I want not almost fair to, to him right no I almost want to go tabula rasa on him like I don't know what he is I don't know who he is and to be honest like I just want to see what he can do this year as long as he can stay healthy fair enough I think I think the only player in the defensive backfield right now that warrants a discussion about being in the top ten of their position is Tracy Walker just because we've seen him play at that level. Um, not long enough, obviously to ever put him like in, in this list of, of the top 10 safeties in the NFL, but like there, there have been sustained stretches where it's like, Oh, like he's really good and he can do a lot of things really well. And he's versatile as a run defender, as a, you know, as a deep high safety, like Tracy Walker can do a lot, but then like Tracy Walker disappears for a couple of weeks or Tracy Walker disappears for half a season, or whatever it may be. Um, but I, I think he's the guy that is closest to it, but well, I, yeah, I, I want to bring this up. Cause we do, I do have some names on the fringes of top tens for safety. We got guys like Derwin James, Micah Hyde, Quandre Diggs. I guess I put like Hyde and Diggs above him. I, I, I don't think, I don't think Tracy Walker is close to those guys yet. I really don't. I think, I think he's probably fringe top 20. Um, might not even be top 20. And, and the problem is, is what Ryan said. It's, it's just, we see flashes. We don't see consistency. If you're a safety, you have to be one making play. Like you have to make some turn. You have to be a disruptive player. And, and Tracy Walker is occasionally disruptive in the run game. He's never been that disruptive in the passing game. And you're, you're right. a safety. You, you got like, I hate to judge a player simply based on safety numbers, but it's more than that with him. He, he has what three, like one each season. Those numbers have to be up. Pass breakups have to be up. 
in general, like I just, I don't view him as the disruptor that he can be yet. But again, it, it's almost like the Jeff Okuda conversation. Like we, we, we know that there's a potential there, but if, if we're into year three, into year four, into year five, and he hasn't reached that potential yet, well then we, we might need to start lowering that ceiling a bit. Cause I'm not sure Tracy Walker can be a top 10 safety in this league. He can be a top 15, but I'm not sure he can be a top 10. All right. Let's get to the position that Jeremy doesn't want to talk about but I, I, I'm, I'm all for it. It's Jack Fox. He's top 10 right now. Like, I know Matareza has, like, stolen all of the thunder, but I know CBS Sports seems to be the only one that has, like, a list of top 10 punters, but uh, Jack Fox is number four. And I, wonder, he, I wonder why that is, Chris. Why does he not want to talk about punters? No, no, no. Why, why it's so difficult for you to find a list of punters? Oh, well. Actually, Matariza isn't even number one. They have Michael Dixon as number one. Mm. Seahawks. Because mm. punters don't matter. They matter. They you shouldn't. Prepare, if, you your team is, if, if your team is good, it doesn't matter. Jeremy, name me the team that never, ever, 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 ever Jeez. has to face a fourth down situation. No, that's not even true. They have to punt. Their punter basically yeah. is on vacation from you have to prepare September to January. Like I, I work in technical work. You have to prepare for contingencies. And I appreciate the guys who have contingencies ready to go. And their contingency is to coffin corner the MF. Their their contingency is to give the ball to the other team. Jack it's Fox a- leads the lines in turnovers because every time he touches the ball, except for when he throws it once you a year, you are a goddamn the other team. You I want to give me twice Fox a game podcast. And you twice are like, a game. Los Angeles Rams, baby. Twice a year. I'm not celebrating a turnover machine. I'm sorry. Sam, Sam Martin is just executing the coach's vision. So it's really Dan Sam Campbell. Martin now. Did I say Sam Martin? You, you did. did say Sam Martin. <laughs> oh, it's because, you know, I can keep going back and we can talk about all the special teams players that mattered so much for a franchise that's been awful. It's because punters are so interchangeable that you Nick forgot Harris. that Jack Fox is the same person as... <laughs> Let's remember some punters. <laughs> Yeah, this should be the in memoriam section. Jack Fox is the top ten hey, player that the Lions. Jeremy, why aren't why aren't we talking about whether or not the Lions have a top ten kicker? Because they don't. And with that, we are moving <laughs> on to the mailbag. We spent a very long time on this, so we'll do a short mailbag to close this out. Hamza, don't kill us. Come at me. We'll, he will come at you with delicious pizza. Okay. We will be right back on the Friday Detroit POD cast. Mail time, hashtag ask POD as always to get your questions in. But before we get to the mailbag, we have a lot of reviews to catch up on. As always, we've been petitioning for your reviews over on Apple Podcasts. If you give us five stars, we will read whatever you write, as long as it's not going to get us kicked off Twitch or in <laughs> trouble. So I, I should be very careful about the whatever you write part of this equation. But point is, we love you guys. We thank you for all your support. 
it's gone a long, long, long way, but we're behind on these. So Jeremy, please read us the, the three we will get to, three or four we will get to this week. Yeah, I'll do four here. Um, first one comes from five BFFs rock it says 10 out of 10 podcast born in Detroit and live outside of Chicago. Now POD keeps me sane while surrounded by bears craziness. Tremendous insight into all things lines. Love the podcast and cannot recommend highly enough. Keep up the good work. Seems like a really occurring theme that a lot of people end up in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, for sure. A ton of my Michigan buddies ended up there. But yeah, and that's that's a cool thing about the podcast, too, is that it it does seem to bring in a lot of uh, displaced Lions fans. And some people from way abroad, too. Yeah, for sure. We combine everything. Uh, next review comes from Ben is cool. 1501 uh, says POD equals best lines podcast, best po- lines podcast around tons of smart analysis and fun personalities. Twitch streams are a blast. And I always really enjoy watching them after the fact on Tuesdays, easily one of my favorite NFL pods up there with around the NFL and PFF NFL pod and the media times podcast featuring Lenny. They're that good. Go lions. We gave some other pods, a bunch of pub there, but Hey, yeah. But those are national ones. They're not competition. And, and honestly, to be compared to some of those people is quite flat. Yeah, no, that's, so that's a very good compliment. It. Yes. <clears throat> I'm just being a little shit. And and by the way, Ben is cool. If you're watching us on, on replay on Twitch. Hey, I'm waving. Hi. Uh, <laughs> Ryan gave him the peace sign. Next review. You consider from- that is not read as Ben is, is that it could be read as Ben something else. Ben is cool. <laughs> What do you want? I wasn't going to say it. You <laughs> walked right into it. I wasn't going to say it. I was hoping you weren't going to say I, it. No, I was definitely going to say it. I'm, I'm willing to go there. Okay. I just wanted to let <laughs> to hang there for the mystery. Nope. nope. Anyway, continue. I let not, uh, leave nothing in the margins. Uh, annoyed and $9 short with the next <laughs> review says my favorite most reviewed lions. And then it cuts off, which I imagine says podcast podcast. I see. Uh, five stars just says enough spoke. I love the brevity. Uh, and then the last one uh, that I'll read comes from Bayside Lions fan, also five stars, says, love the pod, guys. This podcast is outstanding for all the things Lions, from objective insights on practice and roster constructions to getting to know the draft picks with great guests. I love the content and feel that I get a good mix of realistic information without dramatics or clickbait. Jeremy, Ryan, and Chris do a great job, and I am thrilled with Eric is bringing, with what Eric is bringing now. I always look forward to Jeremy's breakdown of mock drafts and can hear his passion for that activity come through. Keep up the great work, guys. Now that one you can leave hang about the joke at the end. There you go. All right. All right, Ryan, as we kick it over to you for the mail sack, what you got for us? It is me. Pride Master General has really stuck, by the way. Um, that, I guess uh, that's a little more that dignified. Worked. I guess yeah. a little more dignified. It, it the pride, the um, pride, master of the pride sack. Uh, I, I'm gonna butcher his last name, but Michael Lucci's. Do you think that's how? How? Don't go with that. That's fine. Okay. I mean, don't, I'm not gonna throw myself into that. Um, I tried, Michael. I, I did. Um, and if I messed it up, my apologies. But uh, he had a question last week. Are fans and the media truly overlooking a potentially better than expected linebacker group, or is all the hype just coach speak when it comes to the linebackers? I'm going to go coach speak. Yeah. I think that's an easy one. This is an easy one to nail down. It's coach speak. Sorry. <laughs> Here, Here's the thing. I, I did that article on your two jumps uh, last week on, on the website. And one of the positions in which you don't see much of a year two change, like 
how you play in your rookie year is, is maybe more emblematic of, or more predictive of how your career will play out than in year two or year three, or at least around the same level of predictiveness was linebacker. And of course, the first thing that jumps into mind was yikes. Derek Barnes had a rough rookie season. That might just be who he is. And, and I mean, like, let's, I don't want to jump to conclusion and say like this guy's doomed, but statistically speaking, he's going to have to break a little bit of the mold to improve as much as we hope that he does. Because I mean, if you look at, at PFF grades, aren't the end all be all. And sometimes their linebacker rank grades seem a little wonky, but Alex Anzalone and, and, and Derek Barnes were not only bad, they were like bottom five linebackers in the league bad. And so I, I, I've praised Kelvin Shepard plenty of times on this podcast and I will continue to do so, but he's got Have his work cut out for man. Here's, here's what it comes down to for me. Like <clears throat> when I say it's QB speak, speak, like I, I, I sometimes get this and I, I think we, we cover just one team here, but there's 31 other teams and they all get to improve or shed pieces, sign guys, draft guys as much as the lions do. And I think any cursory glance at any other linebacker unit out there, it's, it's not, it's not top half of the league at all for the lions. So I don't want to think about better than better than expected. When it comes I, I, to this group. I think the most telling thing is that we are all trying to convince ourselves that Malcolm Rodriguez, a sixth round pick is eventually going to start this year. Yes. And, and we might yes. not be wrong and we might not be wrong. Yeah, I, I think also to your point, Jeremy, about linebackers and how predictive their first year uh, play is of kind of where the rest of the career is going to go. Look at a guy like Jared Davis, right? Like players at linebacker don't all of a sudden, you know, put all of it together in year three or year four. Like by that point, like you've been weeded out as a situational guy who, who maybe just like is in coverage or just rushes the passer. But like I th- I think maybe that's the concern with Derek Barnes, right? Is like, you're really hoping that he can be, you know, the guy who does everything for you. When in reality, he might just be a guy who does one thing. The, the one thing that makes his situation unique is that he doesn't come with a lot of experience in college either. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's true. Needs Calvin Shepard to coach him up. And you know, Jeremy knows that is a guarantee. Uh, Ashley David Soden uh, on the old Twitter I guess related to the linebacker question, uh, which of these scenarios is more likely in your expert opinions? Alex Anzalone gets 100 plus tackles with a miss rate that isn't bottom of the league bad. Uh, Hefe leads the team in pass breakups or Swift plays 16 games and has 1500 yards from scrimmage. Number I think one is not one. happening. Yeah, it's, I, it's I, not Anzalone. We can we can rip that no. one off right right at the beginning. I think it's I think it's a swift one. If if the Lions get in some better games and use him more, plus it's scrimmage yards. So I feel good about how they use him in the past. So I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna I, I I don't know. I know I don't have a lot of data to back these up. My answers are short, but I think it's swift. Yeah, it's tough because I think I think Swift right now is a better player, but the bar in this question is much higher for him than it is. Jeff the, the bar, Jeff. the bar for me is playing in 16 games, right? That's, that's a, a big accomplishment. And, and may, I don't even know if he means 16 or 17, because obviously we play 17 now, but I like with, but Jeff Okuda just has to lead the team in pass breakups. Like that's, that could, that could be 10. 
He just needs 10 pass breakups. Like that's attainable. I think as a guy who's probably going to start, the question is whether he can stay healthy too, right? Like he's certainly got a, a question about his health. He didn't finish either of his first two seasons out. But I mean, his uh, Amani Oruari is going to be his lone competition, probably, unless, you know, Tracy Walker has a breakout season. Um, so I, I, I guess I would, I would put Jeff Okuda in that conversation, not because I'm, I'm trying to outdo uh, Eric with, as, as the leader of the, the Jeff Okuda hype train here, but I just think that's a, that's a realistic goal that he could see, he could certainly attain. Like, whereas I think the other two have to be like, everything absolutely has to go right. I think you can lead the team in pass breakups, even without like being a fantastic player. And that would not speak well for the Lions defensive backs. Um, the next question, um, which I think is fascinating because I, I like this question a lot. I, I, I thought I thought about it. And I was like, oh, I, I have the answer. It's easy. But like then I thought about the monkey paw um, on the other side of it. But um, from uh, Nils Oki B, um, he asks, uh, if you could magically guarantee three wins out of the 17 games the Lions play this season, which three games would you choose and why? This is tough so for me what, because what say you I God, because here's the thing, like I started being like super petty, being like, I want the Bears beat down twice and one against the Packers. But then I'm like, you know what? But the Lions status would really grow if they hung some pretty sizable heads. So maybe like the Cowboys and or the Bills. And now I'm stuck in a quandary where I can only guarantee one of those big games and then either sweeping the Bears or split with Bears and Packers or get two of those games and only pick one against those hated rivals. And I don't know which way to go. I really don't. So I, I, I think I know where I've got my head now. I but I, I want to hear Jeremy's answer real quick. I, I approach this question, I think, a little differently. Uh, I picked out the games in which not, – not I didn't completely follow this formula, but I picked out games in which I don't think they're going to win so that if I can guarantee they win those, then maybe you combine them with like – like I'm not going to waste a guarantee on the Bears because I think they might just beat the Bears. I want it – here's my – the ones I want guaranteed. I'm, I'm with you with the Bills. Bills on Thanksgiving. You beat the Bills on Thanksgiving in front of a national audience. Hell yeah. I'm also going to go week one because I want the party to start right away. I want, I want the, the momentum. I want the, the energy from Lions fans with a week one win over the Eagles after what they did to us last year. Party starts like we're, we're, we're getting excited about the season right off the bat. I, I think I, Oh, sorry. You got one more. My, my last one. And we talked about this a little bit on the after show on, on our Spotify live. I'm petty beat the crap out of the Patriots. Beat the crap out Damn, of Damn, I forgot about the Patriots, too. God. Beat Matt Patricia. Hang. Okay. Okay. Shut them out. Can I Can I, Can I? I get them to get shut out with shut offensive coordinator shut Matt Patricia? Down. Okay. I have to revise it now, and I'm sorry that, like, I, I, I need to at least have one victory against the Bears, and I don't care that the Lions might be good enough just to get it anyway. I want that guaranteed. So, but now that you've brought up the Patriots <laughs> – and I really, I was ready to go Cowboys, Bears, Packers. Because I don't even care about the Bills anymore. People, they're not going to fault us if the Lions lose to the Bills. But if you hang the Cowboys head early in the season, then suddenly people are like, okay, that's cool. 
But ne- but the thing with the Patriots is that's both sides the bye week going into the bye week razzle dazzle coming out of the bye week razzle dazzle. I think I'm going Patriots, Cowboys, and Packers and Lambeau. Wait, wait, Packers and Lambeau. That's the end of the season. Actually. That is week so they 18. Might, they, they might, might be resting starters. So okay, True. Packers, Packers at home that when they're still playing for something. Fair. And I just have to take Enough. my chances on the Bears. Uh, Brad at constrictor underscore 14 asks, why do you think drinking the Kool-Aid is so easy during the offseason? And why is it for real this year? Because you can play against nobody because you get to dance against shadows because there's nobody on the other side that is able to prove you wrong about everything. Unless you go and start arguing with Redditors and Redditors are idiots. They are total nonce idiots. I don't care how many of them show up in the discord. I'm going to yell at, at our NFL. It is one of the most grotesque places on earth because, because nobody can stop you. And also because you get to get in a, in a, in a, in a sounding chamber with other lions fans, assuming they all haven't like lost their, their lines to SOL. Like it's, it's so easy because there's no, there's no proof against it. <laughs> Okay, but why? But like, I think the question is more like, why this year? Because I think we can all agree the Kool Aid is a little bit stronger this year. It's very it's, strong. It's always it's always here because of everything you just said. But it's stronger this year, I think, for three ish reasons. Number one, the way the last season finished, right? Yeah, end of the season strong. End of the season strong. Three, three and three in the final six games. Um, I, I think we mentioned it a couple times. It's a good thing that Packers game came last because the week before it would have sent a, a kind of different message going into the off season. Number two is you're coming off a draft in which the Lions had two top 12 picks, which is the first time that's happened in 70 years. It had a lot of national people hyping them up for the way they drafted. So. Right. Absolutely. And and then the third reason is the coaching staff. Like despite the fact that this team went three thirteen and one, two coaches almost got promotions from other teams last year, this off season. That's how highly thought of, this coaching staff is, and people are starting to come around on Dan Campbell and they're on, they're going to be on hard knocks. So like, yeah, like there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this team. And, and if I could add one more, this team is being run by people who are likable. And I, I think that goes a long way when, when, as a fan, at least it, I'm not saying it's going to make them successful, but it makes them, it's easier to root for them. When, when yeah, you I, see someone as passionate as Dan Campbell, you want that guy to win and you're going to convince yourself that he's the right guy to win because you want him to win that bet. Yeah, I echo literally everything you said, like especially in the likable thing. The tide has completely turned from Dan Campbell is a weird goofball to, uh, yeah, hey, I want to see Dan Campbell succeed. Yeah, like that's that that's a tide change. I think we got time for one more, Ryan. All right. So speaking of Kool-Aid, how about Eric Fiesen's question? Call me crazy, but even with Goff at quarterback, does it feel like this team is only a defensive back and linebacker away from being a playoff contender? The rest of the roster seems pretty solid. I think it's more than a couple of places away. <laughs> Again, like defense, not seeing the force for the trees here. I, and I, I, I don't think, I don't fix you. The thing is, I don't think you fix linebacker with just one, one person there, Jeremy. And no, uh, no yeah, you need to, yeah, you need at least you, you two. need to, you need to. And um, listen, if Swift doesn't pan out this year, you kind of have to start from ground zero on your run game again. I, I hate to add this on, on wet blanket, Jeremy Reisman, but uh, wet blankets coming in here because the defense is very far away. I, I think very. it's like super far away. Like you didn't mention the defensive line, which has a lot of questions, right? Like I know, I know, the Lions just invested 
two defensive tack or two picks on defensive tackles last year and two on defensive ends this year. But we don't know if Levi is going to take that year two jump. We don't know if Aiden Hutchinson is going to be great. We don't know what the future of Romeo Quar is. We don't know if Charles Harris was a, you know, a one-year wonder. Th- there's not a lot of answers on that defensive front right now. There's, there's a, I, I like the way I, w- I was watching the, the Lions in UK guys, and I think it was, it was Matthew said this. There's a lot of potential on that defensive line, but that potential goes both ways. It's not just high potential. It's also got very low potential. If, if Levi doesn't turn things around, if Aleem doesn't become kind of the twitchy three gap guy that, that has, he has the potential to be, but if he's not, then he's just kind of like a, a nose tackle who might not be in the right position. And, and we just got done talking about Aiden Hutchinson. Is he ever going to be a top 10 guy? I, we don't know. His, his, he's the one guy where I feel like the floor is pretty high, but I feel like there's not a lot of other high floor guys on that defensive line. So Let's not jump to conclusions here. So what I find interesting about that, so two things. One is that I think Aleem has one of the highest floors too. Like I think that guy is going to be successful no matter where he goes. But you know me, like I am just as skeptical about the defensive line as, as anybody just because of the the lack of depth and for all the reasons you slayed out with question marks for injury. If the Lions added Davis Mills, would they be a playoff team? Why did you do this? <laughs> I just need to know if they're only a for Davis those, Mills no. away from being no, a playoff. For those, for those who want to know what he is talking about, wait for later in this week when the scraps comes out, because now you've made scraps official. <laughs> Thanks for listening to POD cast, everyone. We are the offense is still just a theory, by the way. Like offense should be good, but it's just a theory. So I'm not it's a theory, but it's it, it can you, again, it's it the theory is not in the neck. And, and, well, and Davis Mills is Einstein. He could crack the theory <laughs> with his neck. <laughs> Get us out of here. What are we doing? <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Thank you so much for supporting us. We are uh, zooming in on seven years here, and I don't know if those seven years have been exactly above the board. We will see you star side. <laughs>